Welcome to the Faux 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 76ers podcast on the Pulse Podcast Network. I'm Matt McCurry, and my co-host is Ryan Smith. All right, so pretty good week of basketball so far for the Sixers, huh, Ryan? Oh, yes, definitely. Two big wins yeah. against two teams I hate. Yeah. Win at the Lakers, 121 to 105. And I guess maybe a little bit surprising of a win at the Warriors, 113 to 104. They – uh uh, hadn't beaten the Warriors, I think, in 11 straight attempts. Uh, but they uh, they started out a little slow, but then they, they came to play. Um, anything specifically about the Lakers game? I mean, there wasn't much to that. They uh, No Kuzma, no LeBron. We kind of just let them hang around, but it wasn't really that close all game. The one thing that stood out to me um, was the efficiency of Jimmy Butler. Now, he only played 29 minutes. But if you go through his stats, he was 7-9 from the field. He had 20 points. He had uh, five rebounds, six assists, five steals, a block, only one turnover, and a plus-minus of 26. And I thought that he did a good job of um, assisting Ben Simmons with uh, running the offense and, and playing that, that point-forward position. Yeah, and, and that's uh, we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about uh, how Butler is doing at the, the point-guard position. Um, it it kind of opens up the lineup a little bit. Uh, but I have some ideas that I'll, we'll touch on a little bit later. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, I, I was that Lakers game. It was just it was kind of boring uh, in that it was they were up by twenty some points. They just let them hang around, and uh, they were they were sloppy in that in that game in the second quarter specifically. And they didn't really give it uh, they didn't really give it their all. It seemed like some of the guys played a little harder, and then when it came down the stretch, then uh, then they they turned it on to win the game, but. I mean, the, the, the Embiid scare uh, where he, he missed that alley-oop dunk and, and all you can think of is if they just would have put this team away, this, we wouldn't even be here. But luckily, he was all right and no big deal. Big man's got to go down with two hands with that. He'll keep himself safe. Yeah, Mescal also had a very good game. 24 minutes, but he had 17 points. Three of six from three-point range, seven rebounds. Um, obviously, you got your typical from Joe Embiid, your double-double, 28 and 11. Um, but the guy that stood out for me definitely was, was Butler because like I said, the first time running the point and how efficient he was to take nine shots and have seven of them, five or six from the free throw line and put in 20 points. You know, I thought that was one of his better games as a sixer. Yeah. And, and that's what we need from him. We need efficient games from him because uh, there he's, there's not a lot of offensive opportunities for him uh, when you have Embiid and Simmons and Reddick's got to get his and, uh, so we need efficiency from Butler. We can't have him taking 30 shots and only hitting 10, 10 of them. That's not going to work. That's not going to work with the way that our lineup is. And I think he gets opportunities and I think he's still trying to, to find his groove on where he can, he should take his and when he should, he should look to distribute and pass it around and get it to other guys. Um, let, let's focus more on the golden state game. That was the, for the first quarter was bad. I mean, they looked out of sorts. Simmons looked like he was the only one that showed up to play in the first quarter. Um, and then the tide slowly started turning, slowly started turning before the half. They got it to under 10 points. And all of a sudden you thought, Hey, we got a game here. And then the second half was, I mean, that, that third quarter was about as dominant of a third quarter as we've seen from the Sixers all season against the number one scoring offense uh, in third quarters in the NBA in Golden State. Absolutely. And, if I could go back, this the, the, really would turn the game around for me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Is that second quarter where uh, Shamit ran down the field or ran down the court, was able to block the shot, then came back and, and hit the three? And I believe at that point, that's when the Sixers got a four point lead. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that really uh, invigorated and put some juice into the team, even though they went back down at halftime. You know, I thought that was almost like. You know, Shamit saying, you know, like, I could come and play with the big boys too. You know, yeah, that's that, one of the things that's been with him all year. And that was a three and one. It was a four point right. play. It was it was a six point swing in about the span of seven seconds. And exactly. that's what it's got to be. He like that's why we like Shamit, right? Like he's getting mm-hmm. better defensively, and he's showing that effort, that little bit of extra effort. It, it's a six point swing that com- can completely change the game. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Shamit is really becoming some of the, one of these pieces where 
I think we continue to say it each podcast, but I'm telling you, two or three years down the line, we're going to say, wow, that was a steal. What a great pick by the uh, interim GM, Brett Brown, during the draft. Yeah, and the – I mean, I thought I thought that was Simmons – I think that was his best game as a professional on oh, Thursday. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more because he, he was fantastic. Fantastic. He was, and- he was aggressive. He was – he did everything you want. He was defensively, he was getting in the way. He was blocking shots. He was altering shots. He kept his turnovers down. He only had four turnovers. Um, he was 10 of 13 from the field, six of nine from the free throw line uh, for 26 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals. He, he was, he was awesome. He was awesome. He played, he played with a, he played with a chip on his shoulder. And it's funny because the night that day he knew he made the all-star team. But it just, for some reason, I saw a different Ben Simmons that night. And then it was almost like, you know what, like Durant and Curry, you might be great, but you know what? I'm not going to take your shit. I saw, I saw a totally different, I saw a totally different Ben Simmons where he came to play and he wasn't, he, the, the limelight, the, the fact they were playing the two-time, you know, NBA champs, it seemed nothing. And, and there was times where Draymond Green or Kevin Durant would try to get under his skin and, and Ben just completely shut it out. And he was so focused, laser focused, I thought, by for sure. I agree with Brett Brown after the game when he said, this might have been Ben Simmons' uh, best game as an NBA player. Yeah, and the uh, I saw a stat that he was 10 of 13 with Draymond Green or Kevin Durant covering him. One of them was on him all game. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he covered, on the times that he covered Curry and Durant, they were three for nine combined, and Curry hit all three of those. Curry was three for seven, I think. or I'm sorry, two for seven. They were two for nine. And Curry hit two, and, uh, and Durant didn't hit a basket when he was covering him. And, I mean, that, that defensively, his speed and strength is, is so underrated. If he, if he gets to the level where he can be defensively, you could have two all – NBA first team defenders and Embiid and Simmons and two guys going for defensive player of the year. Um, now Embiid was a different story. It's funny when you look at the box score, he had 26 points and 20 rebounds, but he was eight of 24 for the line. He's, he's an anomaly for a center. He can have a bad shooting game and he can still put up points because he's so efficient at the free throw line. Yeah. 10 of 12 from the free throw line. Um, other thing that I really liked about Embiid, especially in that third and fourth quarter, is he just was going down low, and nobody can stop him. Let's be honest. When when you put a Joel Embiid in the paint to the basket, there's very few people in the NBA that can stop him. And, and, and that's one of the things that, that I was really excited about. I believe in that fourth quarter, it was either Embiid had eight po- – or the third quarter where they blow it open, they outscored him 42-26. to 26. I believe either Embiid had eight that quarter and Simmons had 12 or Embiid had 12 and Simmons had eight. But either way, that third quarter was probably the best quarter of basketball they played. They out, Like I said, they outscored them 42 to 26. They basically, in that quarter alone, um, t- uh, you know, had the same amount of points that the Warriors um, had. I mean, if you look at that second half, Matt, if you were going to tell me they were down seven or nine at half, whatever it was, and seven. then the fact – seven, okay. And you're going to tell me the way that they were playing, the way Steph Curry was shooting, that the Warriors were only going to get 44 points in the second half. I, 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 I wouldn't have believed it. But that defense, for some reason, in that third and fourth quarter, that was the best defensive half the Sixers have played all season. But Yeah, Cur- Curry got 41 points. Durant ended up with 25. It was an inefficient 25. Uh, Draymond looks washed. He had four points. Uh, Cousins only had seven points. He was three of 10. Uh, and then Kevon Looney had 14 points somehow uh, uh, off the bench. But, yeah, they they shut everyone down except for Curry, basically. And, I mean, it's just – he makes some shots that are just – they're otherworldly, and it, there's just nothing you can do about it. But if you can shut down the ancillary pieces, then you can you can still win those kind of games. And, and, and that's – they showed that they can play with anyone, and Butler didn't even play well. Butler only had seven points. Uh, he was only three of 12, but he did other things. He played well defensively. He got into guys, and 
And that's the advantage is that if he can get into guys defensively and not have to worry about going 100% on offense, then it's doable and he can play more minutes. And, and Simmons played 38, Butler played 37. So they were up there on the minutes-wise, and, and they uh, and it was a great game. I mean, they, they dominated that second half. That was, It was really a joy to watch. It was, and I'm excited to see them when they return to uh, the Wells Fargo Center because I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying, oh, well, Clay Thompson didn't play. But then here's something I want you to think about. If Clay Thompson played that game, right, does Curry still get 41? Does Durant still get his 27, and does Thompson – because my thing is probably Curry's around 30, right, per, per se. Thompson's around 20, so that's 50. But they're still – the Sixers are still right there. So what I'm trying to say to you is I don't think – you can put Clay Thompson. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discount Clay Thompson. You know how both of us feel. I think Clay Thompson is a hell of a player. I think he's completely underrated on that Warriors team. And that's why I kind of hope he walks this year because I think that's going to hurt them. But I think regardless of Clay Thompson even playing at night, I think that the Sixers – when they play defensively like that, and Simmons especially plays like that, they can play with anybody in the league, 100%. Yeah, I, I think they, they proved in that game that they can play with anyone. And I, I think it would have been a little closer of a game w- with Clay Thompson out there, and he may, may have hit a couple more threes. They had only shot 29% from three, so having him out there probably would have helped a little bit. But, uh, th- look, they still started Cousins, Curry, Durant, and Green. Like, like I'm not going to feel bad for these guys. Exactly. Um, and the, the Sixers, they, they, they played a great game. And that, and that was that was up there. They've been playing some great basketball. That Nuggets game where the three the three front court guys didn't start. Then you got a – they've been on a pretty good roll this January. And, and that is – that's good to see. It looks like they're getting hot at the right time. And let's see if they can keep this going. Absolutely. So, tonight we're playing against the Kings. And we have a special guest coming up. Uh He'll be coming on. We'll be previewing these games after the break. All right. We wanted to welcome in Austin from the Royalty Podcast, the Sacramento Kings podcast on the Pulse Podcast Network. Hey, Austin, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good, man. Pretty good. So we figured we'd get this in before the, the game tonight. Um, obviously, Sacramento is doing pretty well this year. They're 26 and 25. Uh, but tell us a little bit about the team. I think everyone knows about they got Buddy Heald. They have Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley. But specifically, let's talk about uh, how each of these guys are doing, how they're progressing, because I think they're a little bit ahead of where everyone thought that they might be this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I saw something that we were projected to be around 25 wins on the season, and we've kind of already surpassed that. Uh, yeah, they're a fun, exciting team. I mean, we got – pretty good depth our only problem is kind of inexperienced but uh yeah we're we're a fun team you know we got Marvin Bagley we got Harry Giles Willie Cauley-Stein's been playing on and off uh, I mean De'Aaron Fox buddy healed like you mentioned before obviously and then you know Bogey Bogdan Bogdanovich he's playing pretty well too yeah the um uh, I know I was looking at the the stats because we don't see a lot of the Kings being that they're on the west coast they don't get a lot of national play right now um but Man, Buddy Heald's numbers are pretty ridiculous this year. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I saw in January he shot – he was shooting about 50% from three. You can't really you can't really beat that. So, yeah, he's been playing really well. I mean, was he snubbed for an all-star game? Kind of, but we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> I, would, I would rant a little bit. I mean, he's – he was the closest Kings player we had that was, like, kind of on the limit. The Kings, like you said, just don't get enough national national coverage. So it was kind of tough for him to make it in there. But, yeah, he's been playing lights out. You, like I said, you can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, I mean, Austin, the, the, oh, the, ahead, thing about, the thing that I really like about the Kings is they're up-tempo. I mean, they, they play fast. And, and they that's do. one of the things that I'm interested to see how the Sixers react to that because DeAndre Fox, man, I mean – he was somebody that I really liked uh, in that draft, even over Fultz. And a lot of people in Philadelphia didn't think that Fox and Simmons could play together. But, I mean, I think that kid's still just scratching the surface. I mean, but if, if, talking about electric, fun to watch, and on both sides of the ball. Not the, not only does he bring it on the offensive end, but I've seen his defense, and he's very tenacious. 
Yeah, he is. And like you said, we play at a super high tempo. That's why, you know, looking through the free agency, it's been tough to see people that can keep up with the speed of play that we have. We just run the court really fast. He's super fast. I would say argue that he's the fastest player in the NBA. Uh, like you said, on defense, he's, his chase down blocks are always super exciting. You know, it's fun to see him get down the court and get a block. And he can just really do it all. I mean, he leads our team in assists. He just plays – he plays super well. I'd be curious to know um, on the West Coast, um, obviously, what 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 are the impressions of, like, Kings fans or people out West today of our franchise, the 76ers? I mean, hey, I'm a – I like your guys' team. Your guys' team has been fun. One thing I like about your fan base is they've stayed loyal, you know, throughout the whole trust the process thing with the Joel Embiid injury. They're a fun team, and they're pretty pretty deadly in my opinion. I mean, you guys have Ben Simmons. He's an all-star, super young. Joel Embiid, obviously, best center in the league in my opinion. Uh, I've caught a few games of you guys this year. You guys are You guys are the real deal, man. I think you guys have a pretty good shot at – the East right now. I mean, I would say your main competition, a lot of people would say the Bucks, but I think the Raptors have it over the Bucks. But yeah, I think they're a pretty legit team, man. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you guys are playing, are you guys playing like 11, 12 guys deep every night? Pretty close to. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we share our minutes pretty well. Uh, Deer and Fox, Buddy Heald, I think, lead in minutes. We've been seeing a huge increase in Marvin Bagley's minutes. I mean, Marvin Bagley had 38 minutes against the Raptors when Deer and Fox was out. Yeah, we, we stretch our stretch our team quite a bit. And what what's going on with Labassier? Le- Le- How do you spell his last name? <laughs> uh, yeah, Labassier. Yeah, it's just not um, getting any run there. Just too, too many people in that same position, and he's kind of falling behind. Pretty much, yeah. I think that's the best way to summarize it. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see his future with the Kings lasting much longer. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, obviously, tonight for the Sixers, uh, there's no Wilson Chandler. We just found out that he's out for two to three weeks with a, with a quad strain. And okay. no, no J.J. Redick either. He's out for just a day off a rest day. Okay. So the Sixers are going to be a little shorthanded tonight. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because Sacramento, like you were saying, they do run on uh, on opposing teams. And uh, with a shorter bench, it may not be ideal to be shorthanded to uh, two of our starters tonight. Yeah, for sure. So who are you guys starting in place of J.J. Redick and Wilson Chandler? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, okay. I know. I know last week when – uh, Reddick had sat out a game. Uh, Ryan, who was it? Did uh, Did Brewer jump in for him? That way, Shamit stayed off, stayed coming off the bench. Yeah, Brewer did jump in for him. I'm hoping that Shamit starts tonight, and then I guess for Wilson Chandler, maybe you start Shamit and Brewer tonight, Matt. Yeah, it, it could be. It, it really is going to depend. Um, it, I don't know. Like we have a uh, uh, Shake Milton, who's a rookie from SMU, who's on a two-way contract. I don't know if he's getting out there, if they have him out there for the game, because if he plays and he'll get he'll get backup guard minutes. But if he's not out there, then they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of backup guards that are that are healthy right now. So they may have to go with uh, Mescala at at the four um, to start and and Brewer or Shamit at at shooting guard. Okay, interesting. Because on our last podcast, we kind of did a little preview of this game. And we kind of decided that, I mean, Ben Simmons is going to be a tough matchup for uh, De'Aaron Fox just because of the size difference. We had the idea of Amon Shumpert guarding Ben Ben Simmons and then De'Aaron Fox guarding J.J. Redick. We kind of saw J.J. Redick and Wilson Chandler as our opportunity to kind of, you know, work a little bit because it's going to be Willie Cauley-Stein's going to have a tough game against Joel Embiid. Um, yeah, I think Jimmy Butler is going to have a pretty good game too. So we kind of saw those guys as our in. And so I don't know if that's good or bad that they aren't starting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, Shamit this year is basically like a J.J. Reddick clone. Um, they, okay. they run the same sets with him. He He's basically J.J. Reddick's shadow, and he has been all summer. Um, he's kind of taking him under his wing, and they run the same exact – 
uh, motions and dribble handoffs with with Shaman, and he's actually the I think he's leading the NBA in rookie three point shooting right now. So he's over forty one percent. So he's it's not wow. a lot of a drop off between between Redick and him uh, for with their three point shooting. Um, okay, and but you're right, Wilson Chandler would be a guy that he kind of just hangs out at the three point line and, and gets open shots. Unfortunately, of course he got hurt. Uh, but this month he had been shooting like 45% from three point range, which when he gets, which was really helpful because he was tending to get a lot of open looks because with Embiid and Simmons and, and Butler, uh, they have to lag off someone it seems like. So. Yeah, exactly. No, that makes sense. Yeah. That was a, uh kind of our game plan because you guys the size matchup for us is not ideal you guys are a little bit bigger than us I do think we're a little faster so that would kind of be another advantage and you guys are on a road trip right now which also kind of helps us out a little bit yeah and I mean they they put everything the Sixers put everything into that game on Thursday night to beat the Warriors so uh this is this has the, the feeling of a game that could be a little bit of a letdown game um now they, okay. they, we did just we gave up the game against Denver last weekend because we didn't have Butler was out. They sat Chandler. We sat and beat completely the game for the on the West Coast trip that they had just they had just written off and were just going to give it away as a loss. Okay, and then they just kind of rested up for the Warriors, for the Lakers on Tuesday and then the Warriors on Thursday, and they Dude, they've won it. both those games. So uh, also it may have been worth it. Thank you, as a Kings fan, for. Anytime the Lakers. Lakers and Warriors lose, it's a it's a win for us. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, anything we can do to help. I, I think we I think we've we've come to terms that it's everyone versus Lakers fans. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the Lakers or the Warriors are right there with them, man. The Warriors fans are are pretty obnoxious too. They're just. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, they're just. I was gonna say the Warriors are just starting to understand basketball because. They've only been a fan for a couple of years since the team's been good. So you got to get them exactly. a break, you know? Once yeah, Kevin a... Durant leaves, the, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, so. Um, I had a friend who, when the Warriors got to Marcus Cousins, didn't even know who that was, if that tells you anything. <laughs> that, that tells me a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're an interesting fan base. Like I said, that's kind of why I like your guys' fan bases, because you guys – deserve to be as good as you are now because you guys were had a rough couple seasons getting Joel Embiid healthy you know I wish Markel Fultz would have worked out for you better I'm sure you guys agree (laughs) we do too Um, I'm still hoping he does (laughs) because I'm from Washington State he's he's a Washington State he played for you know UW super fun player to watch I just wish that you know we could get to watch him at some point yeah so do you do you follow did you follow him in college yeah, I did. He was phenomenal. I, it, it's crazy, right? Like, no, I, like I remember, crazy. I remember the pre-draft process, and and now every everyone's uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. So everyone's like, "Oh, Danny Ainge was so smart about Jason Tatum." Before that, before that draft, it was there was Markel Fultz, and then there was everyone else. Pretty like, much, it, yeah. It wasn't even. He was ridiculous in college. What he could do was, I'm. It, it was crazy, and. That now it's revision. Obviously, there's always revisionist history with it, but um, it, I feel I feel bad for the kid more than anything. Like the Sixers are going to be fine. We're going to get past it, right? Like it's a bump in the road. We have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like it could be worse. Um, but it, I, I really feel bad. Like I, I don't know how much of it actually is that the the injury and how much of it is mental and if it's both or whatever. But yeah, I, I hope for I hope for his sakes that he gets right because. It's a waste. That kid was such a talent at UW that it, it was it, it was fun to watch him. No, for sure. And he was drawing some crazy comparisons that I could totally see. Like, people were comparing him to, like, Magic Johnson. They were comparing it with his core vision. He was drawing some big comparisons. And then he just hasn't been able to play in the NBA. And that's, that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I, well, I remember. Good, Ryan. Why we're, why we're on the topic of the Celtics and Danny Ainge, just continue to win because remember they get our draft pick from you guys this year. So <laughs> you're doing us a big favor right now by, you know, because uh, if you would have asked him to be in the year, you know, Celtics fans thought this was going to be a top three pick, but no, I'm going to sure. be honest with you. I think the Kings are going to get in the playoffs. Uh, hey, we love that talk, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I think that's, it's kind of funny. Cause like I said, we were projected to win it. 
have like 25 wins by the end of the season. And we're absolutely killing that expectation. I mean, knock on wood that it keeps up. But, I mean, our main competition for the playoffs right now are like the Clippers and the Lakers. And I think it's doable. So, yeah, hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, we Ryan and I had talked about before the season started, just just uh, on the phone, we had talked because uh, of that Kings pick. And we were like, well, how high is it going to be? And we are like, you know what? I, I, we were both like, I think that they could push for the playoffs. Like, they have a, a pretty solid roster. If we they do. get a little bit of leadership in there, and that like that was going to be the difference. But, I mean, they you guys have hit on your draft picks pretty well the last couple of years. And, I mean, turning uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who was going to leave anyway, into, into Buddy Heald, who New Orleans gave up way too early on him, was mm-hmm. an abs- absolute home run. Because that's another player who was insane in college was Buddy Heald. When he was at Oklahoma, he was killing it. And yeah. yeah, no, I I totally I totally get what you're saying. Um, like I said, the thing that this team lacks is experience. I saw something that was like, we're just a young super team, essentially. Once we get some experience under our belt, like my favorite saying right now is the Kings are the 2021 NBA champs. <laughs> I love that mentality and that mindset. You know, it's a little bit down the road, but once we can, if we can keep this core players, I think we're going to be just fine. And hopefully, we'll see you guys in the uh, in the twenty twenty one finals then. Yeah, for sure. Hey, man, let's let's plan on it. <laughs> so, all right, Austin, you want to give a plug to your podcast? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we we cover everything about the Sacramento Kings. We're royalty basketball on Twitter, royalty podcast. Uh, yeah, you can check us out on Anchor. We're also a part of the Pulse Podcast Network along with these guys. Um, if you are interested in anything Kings basketball, we also cover a lot of stuff around the NBA and yeah, just give us a check out. All right, Austin. I really appreciate you coming on with us Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking back and forth uh, during the game tonight. Sounds good. Uh, Yeah, we would love to have either of you guys on the podcast. So let me know. All right. Sounds good. All right. You guys have a good one. Yep. Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right, that was fun having Austin on with us. Give us a little bit of a uh, an outsider's view and previewing the Kings. We want to thank him for that. Now, we have the other games this week we have coming up, we have Tuesday versus the Raptors and Friday versus the Nuggets, so a little revenge game against the Nuggets. And Tuesday is a big game against the Raptors. This is uh, home, both home games. They, they have to beat the Raptors. They have to beat the big teams in the East. I agree with you, and um, I'm looking forward to this because the last time we beat the Raptors, I believe Kawhi Leonard didn't play. So I'm curious. I want to see um, – I, I, I really want to see us come out and, uh, again, make another statement that, you know, we're a team to reckon with in the East. Yeah, they, they, we need to start building up wins against the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics. Um, I, the Pacers are starting to fall off now, as, as is expected. Um but just for a confidence thing going into the playoffs, you have to see yourself beat a team before you can actually uh, see yourself winning a series kind of thing. And um, it, it's, it's important. They got they got to get after them. They got to get after them early. Toronto's a deep team. Uh, they have a lot of athletic wings and we're going to be without Chandler again, as we know, he's gone for the next two to three weeks at least. Um, so it's going to be more playing time for Brewer. I guess more playing time for Corkmont. So these guys got to step up until we can get some reinforcements in the trade market or in the, uh, the buyout market. Yes. And then Friday revenge game against the Nuggets. We'll see. We'll have Butler and Embiid back. Uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jokic isn't going to have the same kind of game that he did against Embiid that he had against uh, Jonah Bolden and Amir Johnson. Absolutely, I agree with you. And it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also believe that the uh, the Nuggets are one of those teams in which they're really deadly at home. But if you get them on the road, uh, I'm pretty sure the record isn't isn't anything to uh, you know to be um, to be proud of. Yeah. As yep. a matter of fact, I'm looking right now. They're 13 and 11 on the road. For about to be a 500 team on the road. And yeah, like I think you said, that's, yeah, that's pretty normal. It is normal, but I, I um, with uh, with the whole team, expected back minus Wilson Chandler, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I expect them to – I fully expect them to take care of the Nuggets on Friday at the Wells Fargo Center. And so kind of a busy week around the NBA. <laughs> um, Anthony Davis requested a trade, demanded a trade, requested a trade, whatever, even though he's backing off on it so he doesn't seem like the bad guy. And Porzingis gets traded to Dallas with New York getting – Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, and DeAndre Jordan. Interesting trade with the Knicks and Dallas. Um, Knicks, obviously, they were trying to open up two max contract spots, which now they have for this uh, summer, so they can go after KD and Kyrie or KD and Kemba Walker or something like that. Um, So what were your thoughts on the – let's do the Porzingis trade because the the Anthony Davis thing is – over talked about and it's I mean it's expected once he signed with Clutch I think everyone kind of knew that that was going that way yeah I'm not, I'm not even going to waste my time with Anthony Davis um, you know I agree with uh, Charles Barkley when he said the other night on TNT he said you know what the NBA should step in and not allow a trade to uh, you know to, to occur between those two just like uh, a couple of years ago or not even a couple of years ago many years ago now the fact that uh, when the Lakers and um the Hornets agreed to a deal for Chris Paul. Uh, Stern stepped in and, and uh, you know, nixed that deal. So I'm not going to spend too much time on Anthony Davis. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Knicks could have got a lot more for Porzingis. And I'm even going to go farther to tell you that I understand what the Knicks are doing. They want to open up the max contracts. They want to, um, you know, they, they want to try to bring in Kyrie and KD. But let's be honest, Porzingis – to me, was a, was a pretty damn good player, you know? And I, I think that he would have been a, a nice building block that, you know, maybe they could have kept Porzingis and still signed a free agent, but what they got back, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., so what do you have? You, have, you now have three point guards that can't shoot, right? Because you have Moutier, he can't shoot. You have Dennis Smith Jr., he can't shoot. You have uh, the Frenchman, Nicolina, he can't shoot. So... Uh, I guess it was a, a it was a salary cap clearing move for what they want to do for the summer. But if I look at that Knicks franchise, Matt, I got to be honest with you. You put KD and Kyrie even there, I still don't think the Knicks are much better than a uh, middle of the road Eastern Conference team. So um, I would have kept Porzingis. Um, that's just my opinion. I I um, yeah, I like Porzingis's game. I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing everything that he was basically fed up with the the organization and had that he was going to only sign a restricted tender this year. So for a lot less money so that he could hit free agency after that, because so he may have forced their hand a little bit, um, but they've also run that franchise into the ground while he's been there. But uh, I'm seeing some people like, well, we don't know if he's going to come back. Like he didn't have a major, major injury. And he, like, you know, he was out for the year, the ACL, but it's not like it was anything catastrophic, um, like the Gordon Hayward injury a a year and a half ago. Um, So I think he's going to come back and he's going to be fine. I think Dallas did a home run. Um, New York, it's to be seen. If they get two free agents this summer, then it works out for them. Um, But more importantly than that, not to mention that they're also – they moved a couple pieces that, uh, in Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. that were helping them win games. And I don't think they want to – obviously, they don't want to win games now. They're hoping to try and get uh, as high up in the draft as possible so they can get either Zion or R.J. Barrett or something like that. Um, but so I, I think it's only a matter of time before they, they have to uh, buy out DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews, right? It doesn't help them to win games. No, I agree with that. And just to go back where you say hit a home run with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I mean, let's be honest. Now, granted, they're still hell of a players, right? But they're not the spring chickens anymore. And let's be honest, Kyrie Irving seems like everywhere he goes, he couldn't get along, with, I guess, eventually with LeBron James. He didn't like it. Then he comes out on Friday and he says, you know, I don't owe the Celtics shit. Let me ask you this. If, they, if, if, if everything starts out bad in New York, how does that work out? I, I got to be honest with you. I don't agree with the fact that if they get Kyrie and KD, they'll be fine. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's New York. They'll have two superstars. But I, I, like you said, the ownership's done everything to run them into the ground. Um, Wesley Matthews, we talked about last podcast. 
And I said that it was going to be a bio candidate. And we looked at his contract and we said, you know what? Dallas is probably going to trade him, which, which you were right because, you know, they were going to get something for him, but the Knicks have no, no, um, no use for him, but especially with this Wilson Chandler injury that just occurred, I'm really hoping that um, the Knicks do buy him out because I think the Sixers, not only obviously because they're, you know, a real competitive team and a threat in the East, but I think the Sixers can offer um, almost Wesley Matthews, if not a starting job, um, a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot of minutes. So um, absolutely. I think he's a great fit. Um, I would love to get him. I wasn't on board with DeAndre Jordan at first, um, but then I got to be honest with you, like, and, and we spoke with this off, off the podcast, um, is really DeAndre Jordan is your backup center, and he can play that up-tempo offense. He can run the court. So both of these guys interest me. Yeah, and I'm, I'd be interested to see what, what DeAndre Jordan's looking for. Is he looking for a playoff run? Is he looking for starters minutes? Um if he just wants to try and get his value back up so that he can hit free agency again this summer, a good way to do that is to go deep into the playoffs and be in everyone's mind once free agency starts. Uh, so I, I don't think it's as crazy to see. I did see that they had, that the Sixers had worked out Hashim Fabit in the past week or two. So that they are looking for a backup big that can play, that can fill in if need be, or, or could be the back of the bench. Cause it, I guess they're looking for someone to take a meter's minutes kind of thing. Right. And they, yeah, that's a possibility. And the other thing that I saw recently in terms of shopping and trading, because we had the trade deadlines this week is the bulls, right? So they do, they are heavily shopping Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. So the bulls are a team to keep an eye on too. Um, Levine is a fit for the Sixers. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I, I do think, and Brett Brown was on the airwaves yesterday, and he said that, you know, I do think we were a move or two away. And um, the way the way that this team is is rolling along now, and you just saw with the Golden State win, it's almost like if we get another piece or two, are we over the top? Whether that's a, whether that's a Zach Levine or a Drew Holiday, because I think New Orleans is going to blow it up. And if you can get Drew Holiday – Drew Holiday, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Butler. That's a pretty damn good uh, big four. Yeah, exactly. We had talked about um, – do you have that, that that trade for Drew Holiday on tap yes. easily? Or? Yes, it was Zaire Smith, Wilson Chandler, Markel Fultz, and the Miami pick. I mean, he's got three years left. Drew Holiday. I don't love giving up Zaire Smith, I'll be honest, but I understand you have to give up something to get something. I'm I would be all in on that. But they're not that not that's not happening unless they trade AD. Um or they sit AD the rest of the season, then they could decide to move on from Drew now and just go young. Um but yeah, I I love Drew Holiday. I loved him when he was here and he's only gotten better since he left. Uh, unfortunately we had to we had to get rid of him so that we could bottom out because he was going to keep us too competitive. Um, but I think he would fit perfectly. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I also think that Zaire Smith might not have to be part of this deal. I mean, maybe you can offer them cork mass. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go for that. <laughs> the the salaries still work, but it depends. So it really depends how desperate are the Pelicans, right? Because if the Pelicans are desperate and they know that they want to blow this up because maybe they have a plan to try to go after free agents this summer or whatever they have to, and they want to get, they really just want to blow that up. They might take that deal. Another guy I also saw um, is Julius Randle. I think he has a $9 million option, but I'm not sure he fits on this team. And honestly, if the Sixers wanted him, they could have just went out and signed him last summer. So yeah, he, he is a fit. He, he can't but, shoot well enough. Two guys to keep an eye on this week, Zach Levine and Drew Holiday. I think that there's – if you're if the Sixers are going to make a big addition, it could be one of those guys. So this kind of leads into um, – we, we talked about a little bit Jimmy Butler playing more of the point guard position. Yes. And I will tell you why I think he's playing more of the point guard condition, position. I don't think you're going to like it. Okay. 
I think he's playing more that you don't do something with Jimmy Butler to play more point guard unless this is your plan down the road for the rest of the season and for the playoffs. I think they're either Markel Fultz isn't going to play this year or they're trading him because they're not going to, they're not going to put Jimmy Butler in a position to run the backup point guard minutes, even if it's 10 minutes a game for Fultz to come back in a month and a half and play. Yeah, I don't think Fultz is coming back this season. I did see the other day that they, they the teams have the Sixers have re-engaged teams around the league on Markel Fultz. That's great and all. And and I told you before, if we can get something <coughs> Markel Fultz that's worth it, then I'm for it. But his value's so low around the league, I'm not just trying to give this guy away. And that's the only concern that I have for the Sixers are, are they just going to give this guy away for nothing? Like, are they going to give him away for a Demon or a Miritich? Because I don't think that's enough. Right. Like I saw that, like that Atlanta once faults for Deadman. hundred percent, no chance. I am not interested in that. And I think Deadman really helps, but I'm not giving Markel Fultz in that deal. Now, if you tell me that you're going to package him to get Drew Holiday or Zach Levine, I can live with that because those or are guys Baysmore that are on your – Or Baysmore from Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I don't love I, – I, I'm not sure how much – if I even want to put him in for Baysmore. But but you, but that's the kind of thing. If you can get someone that's going to help and that, that you can – that can contribute now and can win, then, yeah, I'm all for it. I don't want to trade him for someone else's problem like Josh Jackson or for like Terrence Ross who's up at the end of this year and that's it. Um, that to me doesn't make sense. And it's not, and we've discussed this before. It's not giving up on Markel Fultz. It's giving up on his timeline that he's not on the same timeline as Simmons and Embiid. And that was always, that's been a discussion since when he came in, that it was going to take him a little bit of time to get acclimated to the NBA. And if so, would he be on their same timeline? Cause those guys are, they're, they're in their prime. Simmons is going to get a little better and Embiid's going to get a little better, but I mean, they're, they're really in their prime. And when you have a big man like Embiid, you never know how long a big man's career is going to be. They're not, he's not going to have a 20-year career. You know what I mean? And so hopefully he does. But most likely you need to strike when you have these guys that are in their prime. And Embiid's an MVP candidate in his prime right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's... It, it, it's just it's and we talked about it on um, with the the guy from Sacramento because you know he was a UW fan, and I can't stress this enough. It's just it it's amazing to me. <laughs> it's amazing to me where this guy's talent went. It really is because when they made that trade, he was a perfect fit. But you're almost at the point where you're not there yet, Matt. But you're close to that point with Okafor where it's like you know. It's not going to work, so we got to get something. Do we really want to pay this guy $9.6 million next year to come out probably give us false hope like he did this year, right? Because let's be honest, after Drew Hanlon video, me and you were pretty excited. We're like, oh, man, Fultz is back. We're going to get the old Fultz. But is it really worth $9.6 million? I would have said a month ago, yes, but the way that this team is projecting upward, it might be worth it. You know what I mean? Like, Especially if you're going to get a player that you think can put you over the top in the East, I think you really got to think hard about it at this point. Right. Like, I mean, you're there. You can play with anyone in the NBA and you have, and we talked about this right now. You have Zaire Smith that can't play. You have Markel Fultz that can't play. And these are two guys, two bench positions and two guys that you were expecting to contribute that can't contribute. And that's where your lack of depth is on your, on your team and, and on the bench is that you're missing two guys that are supposed to be your sixth and maybe eighth or ninth. Uh, guy on your roster and and it it's tough to overcome and if if you're trying to compete this year you have to seriously consider even if you can get a younger guy like a Levine or as opposed to Drew Holiday that still has that that he could still keep growing with Embiid and and Simmons it it's tough to I can't say that Markel Fultz is going to stop me from making a trade yeah let's put it that way I, I and and I'm at the point where I agree with you, but then I also see like these asinine trades. Like, who the hell would want to trade Markel Fultz for Noah Vonley? Great, he's had a great year with the Knicks, but I'm sorry, that's not enough. But I agree no, with you. If it's, if it's there, a piece, if there's a piece out there, which 
I'm sure there is. And I'm sure there's names that we're not even talking about where I'm sure and Eldon Brand has been very active on the phone, but there's a piece where we get him and we're like, damn, you know what? Like that really puts us, you know, if it's a, if we don't think Zaire Smith's coming back, if it's a wing defender, if it's a, a backup center, you know what I mean? Then, then I think you got to consider it. Yeah. I don't want to use him on, on a rental for, for this no. season that someone's going to walk at, at the end of the year, and you're just going to wipe your hands of it and just be done with them. That That's not what, what we want either. Um, you want someone that's going to be able to contribute for, for some time going forward. Um, also, big news talking about Zaire Smith. Justin Patton and Zaire Smith are supposed to be playing this Thursday for the Bluecoats. That came out of the blue, right? Doesn't, like, we were expecting this from Justin Patton, but I, I, Zaire Smith wasn't even doing contact drills a week ago. I so saw this, it. Right, right. So this is like, this said to me, I was like, are, they, are the Sixers putting this out there? because these guys they think are going to be back in a couple of weeks and, and they can contribute or the Sixers putting this out there because maybe they want to include these guys in a trade. So that, that's interesting. I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see, um, you know, what the plan is. Are these guys here when the trade deadline passes right now? I think it's, I think Justin Patton, I would put it like 85, 15 that he's here. Zaire Smith. I, I to me, it's 60, 40. Because well, so they're playing. They're they're playing on on Thursday at, at seven o'clock. The trade deadline's Thursday at three p.m. So teams aren't going to get a chance to watch Zaire Smith. I think that this is just the timetable. I, I I think that he's unless you think that they're they're saying he's going to play Thursday, but he's not actually going to play. No, I'm not saying that he's not going to play. I'm not. I'm saying that maybe they're putting it out there that they're finally ready to play in hopes of enticing a team that, hey, you know what? Like, oh, Zaire Smith, if I we get him now at a trade, oh, maybe he will be available first, especially if it's a young team, say, for example, like a Chicago or New Orleans that wants to see what they have. But, yeah, hey, I, I was looking know, at I was looking at getting tickets to go down there because I wanted to see him play. And, of course, I can on Thursday because I'm, I'm watching the kid on Thursday night. But I was looking for there were only there's only like 30 seats available down in Wilmington to to go down for that game for the Bluecoats game, um, but it's going to be on ESPN Plus, so it's going to be uh it's going to be televised. And I, I'm intrigued to watch that. I really want to see. Uh, I'm really interested to see both of them. Quite honestly, um, I, I I think Justin Patton could have a future in the NBA. He's athletic. He can shoot a little bit. Um, but I I really want to see Zaire Smith. I hope he's ready to roll and that he's He's in game shape and he can jump right in. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I Zaire Smith is an intriguing prospect, but again, I'll present this question to you: Is Zaire Smith going to stop you from getting a piece that you think can, can can put them over the top? So, would you put Zaire Smith in a Drew Holiday deal? I will, but I'll also try and see if I can put Corkmaz and another draft pick in. I'll give them two first round draft picks if I can throw in Corkmaz and keep Zaire Smith. I, I really believe in, in Zaire Smith's long-term uh, potential. Um, so if, if I can throw in another draft pick, I'll do that. How about if I one-up you and I'll say that not only is Drew Holiday in a deal, but there's other pieces and you would also land Miritich, which is a perfect You can't, you, you can't land Miritich no and, way. and Holiday. The money, the money just doesn't work. You'd have to – You can put have to include, in a deal. Chandler's already in that deal to make the money work with Drew Holiday. That's right. Yeah, I guess I could. There's, there's really no way to get to it. Muscala doesn't make enough. Amir Johnson doesn't make enough. Um, I guess, and not to mention that, why are they going to give up Miritich as a throw-in to get Muscala and Amir Johnson and another piece? You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. I, like, I think they're yeah. better off. I think they're better off separating those their trade pieces. Quite honestly. Right, and like you said, maybe if you entice them, I like your idea of if you could get Zaire Smith off the table, giving up our first-round pick even this year, I'd, I'd consider because I expect the pick not to be that high. So, and right, I'd really, want, I'd... It comes to a point where, you know, how many spots does this team have, you know? Like, if it, you know, especially if you can keep Zaire Smith in that deal and you have Shamit, you have young pieces. I'm telling you, Shake Milton, I keep on saying his name, I think he's a long-term piece. He just had that that injury at SMU, you know. Let's not forget about him as well. So, 
There's really not right. that many. I'm, I'm not sure spots. you. I'm not sure you want guaranteed a exactly. guaranteed roster is spot. We... I think you. We have three second round draft picks anyway. I think those are going to be better because you can put them on two way contracts, yeah. or you can put the two best ones on the two way contracts and and go with that. Um, but yeah, I agree. I I think that I think that we could. We're going to see the 2019 pick get moved um, if they make a trade. I, I'm pretty confident that would be included, and I would put that. For Drew Holiday to take Zaire Smith out, <clears throat> I would put our 2019 pick and the Miami 2021 pick to get him. He's got three years left under contract, so it's not a rental. Um, I think he fits perfectly. He's another guy that's a, an all-defense type player, and all of a sudden, uh, you're stacked defensively. I couldn't agree with you more. So we got three big games coming up tonight, Tuesday and Friday. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Look for our next podcast. Maybe we'll drop one this week with the trade deadline coming up. And unless something happens involving the Sixers and we'll get an emergency pod out and keep an eye out on the Pulse Podcast Network for a lot of new podcasts in all major sports and team-specific pods and follow us on Twitter at 76 ers F.O. Have a great night, everyone.